At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. We've got a new guy on a video game that we got to talk about. We're also going to do part two of buying or selling down years in 2022. This time, it's the National League with Peter Apple. I'm Jack McMullen. This is the Just Baseball Show Tuesday, January 31. Jazz Chisholm on the cover of MLB The Show 23. The intro video was sick. Was I team Julio Rodriguez to be on the cover? Yes, 100%. I thought that guy is A, better than Jazz Chisholm, B, played close to a whole 162, uh, and C, is on a team that is closer to being relevant than the Miami Marlins. But you know what? Like, I don't hate the Jazz pick because when that guy's on the field, he's stupid electric. Freak talent. And it seems like the end of January is all Marlins. You know, Richard Blyer for... uh... Matt Barnes, Barnes. that trade was also done from the Red Sox to the Marlins. You know, the Marlins are eating that $3 million contract. And then we have Jazz Chisholm on the cover of MLB The Show in 2023. Um, It's funny, you read the comments on social media, whether MLB posted or MLB The Show posted, and the outrage is hilarious to me because I always think to myself, it's always a story when it comes out and then people forget, buy the video game and play it regardless. And then the story shifts to how the actual game is, which is what matters when playing. It doesn't really matter the cover athlete. So to all those who are very upset about it, wish that their favorite player was on it, I respond, who really cares? Who gives? And it's just cool to see Jazz Chisholm. That's how I see. Would I have preferred Julio Rodriguez? Would I have preferred Jordan? Would I have preferred a lot of different guys? Sure. Do I care? Not particularly. Yeah, I I couldn't really give a shit either, to be honest. I mean, like, it's what's nice about it is they always pick somebody that incites emotion. And 2020 was Javier Baez, who's coming off of a couple of great years. 2021 was Fernando Tatis. 2022, 21 was the year of Otani, so they go with Otani in 2022. I, I think they do a good job finding marketable people in Major League Baseball, and I think that the Jazz Chisholm market has yet to be tapped in nationally. I think mm-hmm. Miami gets it. Like I think Miami understands what they have with Jazz Chisholm. I'm not sure the Marlins understand what they have with Jazz Chisholm, <laughs> but I know that The people of Miami and the Marlins fans that are active on social media understand that they've got not only, I don't want to call it a generational talent, but not only one of the most exciting talents in the game, but also a really marketable guy that has a great fashion sense and is letting, is willing to like let the chains come out of his jersey when he's playing and, and can Euro step to the plate. So 
it's anything to piss off the old guard that I think baseball should be viewing as marketable right now. Jazz Chisholm certainly pisses off the old guard. Jazz Chisholm is certainly marketable. Yeah, the arguments against Jazz is he's only had 60 games of really good baseball. He's been kind of banged up, and that's the argument against him. But I'm like, what? Are they just picking the best players? Like, maybe, but Yasiel Puig was on a cover. Like, they they do this sometimes where they grab who they think moving into the year will be one of the more marketable stars in Major League Baseball. And Jazz Chisholm, from a tool shed perspective of he's got all the tools in terms of the hit, the run, the power, the speed, everything. I think I said power, whatever. We That's understand fine. what I'm talking about. Yeah, there he are has that. Them. He has the marketability. He's fun to watch. And if you're upset about it, you're probably a loser. Ratio. Yeah, ratio. Ratio. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about guys that had down years. And, and just like the American League, we had a lot of names and I just went through every team and I was like, okay, who was either good at a certain point in their career. That's not good anymore. and might be over the Hill uh, who had a great 2021 that did not follow that up. Well, whatsoever, or who's a prospect that we were waiting to, to pan out and they just didn't do it. Like we had that conversation about Daniel Lynch, about Jared Kelnick, about Joe Adele. Um, and it was, do we need to alter our expectations for them? And for all three, the answer is yes, but to varying degrees. Like Lynch, I think, was altered the least. I think for Aram, Adele was altered the most. And for me, Kelnick was altered the most because Kelnick was, you know, arguably the second best prospect in the game uh, when Wander Franco was number one. And I mean, now we're talking about Tyler Naquin as, as a possibility here for, for Kelnick, which is just stupidly insane. But we're going to go through NL East to NL West you texted me when I sent you the list that there are a lot of guys who you think are going to positively bounce back here. Yeah, I do. And that starts kind of with Ronald Acuna Jr. We can get right into it. Um, I'm going to come out with my top 100 MLB players. And he is going to be the player on the list ranked pretty high, not to spoil it. It's going to come out in the middle of February, but he is going to be ranked within the top 10. That's yeah. what I think about him. Yeah, um, And we can get into kind of why I think he's going to bounce back. Right. So Acuna in 2022 played 120 games. He had a 760 OPS, a 114 WRC plus, 15 homers. He was 29 for 40 in the stolen base department, which is an important note. He was caught 11 times, which is more than anybody in the National League. The interesting nugget about Acuna this past year is he had a 48% ground ball rate, which was the highest of his career. But he is a career 890 OPS guy, 135 WRC plus, and over 162. He's averaging 38 bombs, 93 driven in, 34 stolen bases. He is a generational talent. He's one of the best players in Major League Baseball. And one of the best players in Major League Baseball shouldn't be putting up a 760 OPS and won't be putting up a 760 OPS again. In terms of a talent, Ronald Acuna Jr. is as good as any player in Major League Baseball. If we look at the five tools, hit. The guy can be a 300 hitter. He's been a 280 290 hitter in his career power he's got 40 home run power speed in 2021 back. before he tore that acl 97th percentile in sprint speed so to answer that question about stolen bases he lost a step right he was recovering from a torn acl and that's what happened he lost a step it also contributed to him hitting the ball on the ground he obviously couldn't kind of get in that back hip get in that um, leg in order to drive the ball and get that much lift 
compared to previous years. So, but he didn't lose the max exit velocity. He didn't lose the average exit velocity, all those shiny numbers. He, to summarize, he still hits the living crap out of the baseball. If we're talking about an arm, he's in the 99th, 100th percentile from right field. And if we're talking about a fielding tool, he's one of baseball's best in right field. As a talent, Ron Acuna Jr. could be ranked three, four. That's the level. Now, he's probably going to, in my list, he's closer to the bottom of the top 10, but he's still that level of talent. I almost can point to the ACL injury that he was recovering from it. He wasn't fully healthy. He even admitted that in interviews and he's going to be just fine next year. I think he could win the MVP in 2023. Yeah, he absolutely could. Who's the one, um, who's he pissing off? Uh, Alex Gonzalez. I don't know what happened there, but did you see like Alex Gonzalez trying to chirp the shit out of Ronald Acuna and Acuna was like, you were a nothing burger. <laughs> like, it was, it was pretty awesome. I just don't know who's trying to chirp Ronald Acuna Jr. I assume it was something off the field, not on the field. Yeah, he's a, I think he's a hot topic in terms of guys that, you know, the old guard wants to go after. For some reason, like Acuna, the the older baseball players just don't really view that he's playing the game the right way. Although, was there ever a right way to play the game like i i don't know he is the one he's very jazz chism in that regard like i'm gonna do me and it's gonna piss some people off and they're gonna be vocal about it and i couldn't give less of a shit so yeah i think you and i both expect acuna to be a top 10 maybe even top five player in baseball in 23 totally agree i think if there's anyone on this list who i'm buying yeah. positive regression it's ronald acuna jr okay so the way we did it was we sold the regression. Sell is good, buy is bad. So we're buying the down tick or we're selling the down tick. So you're selling the regression on Acuna. I'm selling the shit out of the regression on Acuna. I'm okay. selling it like hotcakes. Fine, fine. Liquidation sales, sports authority. Uh, all right, Ian Anderson, his teammate, 2022 started 22 games. He had a five ERA. Under eight Ks per nine, lowest of his career, four and a half walks per nine, the highest of his career. Batting average against on his four seamer jumped from 219 to 306. Slugging percentage against his four seamer up 100 points. Average exit velocity against his four seamer up four miles an hour, which is drastic. This guy's fastball was getting hit to the moon time and time again. He's got an elite changeup, but you have to be able to get to the changeup. Can he get to the changeup in 23? I think he can. And it's funny when you look at his ERA versus his XERA. In 2021, when he had that great season, 358 ERA, he was a 427 XERA guy. Or, yeah, 427 XERA. In 2022, five ERA with a 437 XERA. He just had that regression. It was with the fastball because it's not really that good of a fastball, but his changeup is still really elite. And that's important because he does have that secondary. And there's a lot of numbers that will point you towards positive regression for that fastball. He did get pretty unlucky last year. I think what Ian Anderson is, is his XERA. I think he's a 4-2 guy. So do I think he's the 3-5 ERA guy? No. Do I think he's the five? Also, no. Yeah. I think he's right in the middle of that. So I am selling last year, but I'm not buying 2021. I think he's the exact middle of those two years. 
So my only concern, like the only reason that I could possibly buy it is because I've never, I never, you know, played to the level where I needed to reconstruct a fastball. I've never talked to anybody that had to reconstruct a fastball. I know so many positive cases of guys finding a new breaking pitch that they can go to or reinventing an off-speed pitch that maybe they scrapped for a little bit. I've never really seen a good example of somebody reworking their fastball. Have you? Not really, but also it's not like his fastball has always been bad. That's it's a low thing. spin fastball. He's he's pretty much like a sinker changeup guy. Isn't he like a little under 2000 RPMs on the fastball? Yeah, 1937 last year. He's 2045 the year before. He also yeah, had so a downtick in velocity, 94.6 to 94. But, but it was just such a bad year for that pitch. But if you look back on previous years, the fastball wasn't the issue. I think he just had a rough year. And I, I think that was rock bottom for him. You know, I wrote in my article about two futures bets um, that is live on JustBaseball.com. I wrote about this Braves rotation and why I think it's the best in the National League East over the Mets because of the depth there. And with Soroka coming back and with Ian Anderson, I believe, hitting rock bottom now. Like I said, not a three five eight guy, but not a five ERA guy. This guy has right. a future in this league. He is better than what he showed. I now we saw the peak and the fall, and now we're about to see the middle. Like that's just where I'm at on him. Right. So it's very Houston Astros of of this past year, right? Front of the rotation, Max Fried, Cy Young hopeful, Justin Verlander, Cy Young hopeful. Um, then you've got Kyle Wright, 20-game winner. That feels very Framber Valdez. Then you go with Charlie Morton. Morton and Lance McCullers feel kind of like the same guy. Good right? <laughs> Strider and Christian Javier, kind of the same guy. The five, I mean, it's Luis Garcia and Mike Soroka. Okay. And then the six, if the six for Houston was Jose Urquidy, who was a four ERA guy, you feel great about the six for Atlanta being Ian Anderson, who is probably a four ERA guy. Yes, exactly. I'm very, very excited for this Braves team moving forward. And I think Ian Anderson is one of the few players who wasn't very good for them last year. But again, if there is a team to believe in to continue to unlock a young player, isn't it the Atlanta Braves? Yeah, um, it is. I just don't know, like, because Ian Anderson, yeah, he's, what, 25 years old? 20, I think he's 25, maybe 26, but... Yeah, he's 24. 24. I think he will be 25. He's the, like, he's the oldest 24-year-old ever because he's been around for so long, and he's pitched high-leverage innings, and he's pitched national, nationally televised, globally televised innings for the last, what, three years, right? 2020, 2021, 2022. So, Ian Anderson, I don't know, you're, you're selling the, you're somewhat selling the regression, like, sort of, kind of, right? I'm yeah. somewhat buying it just because I don't know how you rework a fastball and like sinker changeup doesn't really work off each other that well. Um, but I think I lie with you. I'm somewhere in between. I think you're a glass half full guy. I'm a glass half empty guy, but we're aligning at the same water level, if that makes any sense. I think it does make sense. Also, just another note, his curveball was pretty good last year. Yeah, He didn't perform that well. Opponents at 286. But with an expected batting average of 214, like there was just a lot of things to point to 
yeah. an unlucky 2022, but then he was pretty lucky in 2021, which makes me think, gun to your head, he's Somewhere a 4 2 four, three ERA guy like his ex-ERA continues to point to based on batted ball data. Like, that's just probably what he is. Yeah. He's not what we saw in 2021, but he's not what we saw in 2022 either. Right. And the only... Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, the the only thing that I'll push back on is, yeah, the curveball can be good. The changeup is great, but you can't not have a fastball in Major League Baseball. You just can't. And, Nick and Cassidy, that's, something, yeah. that's something to look out for next year because that's so important for him, right? The 3.58 right. ERA guy, the fastball was great. The 5 ERA guy, the fastball was horrible. So right. if it can be decent, that's what it should be. And most likely the fastball is decent, I would yeah, say. 100%. All right, Nick Castellanos, our next guy in the lone Philly. 2022, played 136 games. He had a 94 WRC+. plus. It was tied for the lowest of his career with his 2015 season in Detroit. He was a negative .7 F4 guy, lowest in his career. 13 homers was the lowest total since his age 22 season in 2014, including his 14 homers in 60 games in 2020. So... Even on an abbreviated season, he had a better power output than what he had in 2022. A 126 isolated power, lowest of his career. 87.5 average exit velocity, lowest of his career. He may have had a nagging wrist thing, but that didn't that does not excuse him being second in chase rate in Major League Baseball, only behind Javier Baez. And that was a new thing. And didn't we see this coming when we talked about the season before how we thought this was one of the worst contracts given out because we pointed to specific splits. We know that he played in Cincinnati in great American ballpark, which is besides Coors field. And even last year, it played as the easiest ballpark to hit in, in all of major league baseball. It's and it's a in, way easier home run ballpark than, than Coors. It is way easier. And that points to his power numbers, right? Slug 702 with 23 bombs at home in 262 at bats. He had an 1100 OPS hitting in great American ballpark. What was his OPS on the road in that year? 773. And the slugging was 454. Now, is he a 389 slug guy like he was last year? Probably not. But he just doesn't impact the baseball all that hard. He's not a big power guy. Like, even if you look at some of the 22nd percentile and average exit velocity, like he still has it in the tank with the 63rd max exit velocity. Like, he can still hit the ball 110 miles an hour. Exactly. But he just doesn't do it all that often. And I don't see him now off that going into his age 31 season impacting the ball any harder. So I am buying the Nick Castellanos regression. Now, was his first year there? Does he get comfortable and have a better year next year? Probably. But how much better? Last year, he was a 694 OPS guy. I wouldn't say he's going to be above 730. And that would even be a much better improvement from the previous year. So I think Nick Castellanos has obvious holes in his swing. I think he chases too much. I just don't think he impacts the ball enough to be that great of a hitter when his calling card is doubles and home runs. And when he's not doing that, he doesn't give you that much value anywhere else. Certainly doesn't in the field. And this is now year two of the contract. I'm I came in with optimism of a lot of players. He is not one of the ones that I'm optimistic about next year. 
Yeah, I'm not optimistic about him either. That's why I'm buying the regression. Um, I do think that he can get to like 740, 750. But the problem for him is the front half of the year, Bryce is going to be out of the lineup. So he's going to have to play the outfield. And even when Bryce comes back, he might have to play the outfield. Like he may not get to the DH role until 2024, which I'm sure is not what he signed up for. Um, I think that Castellano should be kicking himself. I think the Cincinnati Reds should be kicking themselves for not reuniting that pair because Nick Castellanos has a swing built for great American ballpark. We we talk about JD Martinez. JD was so good at Fenway because he peppered the monster. It's a high wall. That's tight. And what does JD do? JD launches. That's what Castellanos does. It's a longer swing and Nick Castellanos launches. So why can't you stay at the ballpark, maybe on a pay cut, where you know your swing plays better than anywhere else in Major League Baseball, and you go to a place where it's not going to play as well. Like the amount of flyouts that you saw that were just shy of the warning track in Philly, nauseating. But he's just not in Cincinnati. So I, I think that the, the grass was greenest where he was in 2021. He shouldn't have left. And, you know, there's some players on this list where, you know, there's one obvious issue. And if that player cleans that up, he could be back. This is not one of them. No, like, it's just a profile. You, you talk you talk about Castellanos in terms of, you know, his swing is based on power. and But the reality of it is he is not impacting the baseball. Like, that's just the bottom line. And I don't see that getting better as he ages. Because he he's even a guy, and you know I don't want to say that he's not a hard worker. Because you know I have no reason to believe that, other than the fact that he said in the playoffs that in the outfield, like he just loses focus. And if a guy who's struggling like this, I hear that he's losing focus. Why am I then going to bet on the guy to impact the baseball much more than he did last year? I can't get there. Now, he could prove me wrong. He's still a good player, at least offensively, I think. Yeah. But if I had to bet on 720 over under, I would probably take the under. I go I'd, over slightly. Maybe. Yeah, probably. Maybe 720 is a little bit too low. But I'm just not confident that he's going to be the 25 home run guy with 40 doubles anymore. I think the 13 home runs he hit last year, what is he going to get, 16 this year? 17? Not 20, not 25, certainly not 30. Like, And that's what you need from a corner outfield guy. You need the bat, and I don't think the bat's going to be there. Wrist thing could have been real. Um, could have been. I will say that. So Rob Thompson said that it didn't halt him at all. Okay, so, so there you go. I, But like, I don't yeah, know, I, how I much agree. does that really mean? Um, yeah, if I were to adjust it to 745, you're flying under that, I think. And, and yeah. that's when I seriously have to think about it. I think he can be a 750 OPS guy, but just barely. Maybe. Um, maybe. Trevor Rogers, 2022, he had a 547 ERA for the Marlins, under nine punch outs per nine, nearly four walks per nine. He had a FIP of 435. In 2021, he finished second in rookie of the year voting because he had a 26 ERA, had 10 and a half punch outs per nine was walking three guys per nine and had a FIP of 255 compared to 435. A couple of things to point to, because this guy is fastball changeup, right? His slider is good, but his changeup is the thing and, and how it works off the fastball is his bread and butter. 
Trevor Rogers batting average against on the fastball went from 222 to 315. On the changeup, went from 189 to 258. Everything was subdued with Trevor Rogers this year, and I think that's what did him in. He's pretty similar to Ian Anderson, right? Yes. Yeah. It's just from the left side. And I do think he has a little bit more deception, you know, in his mechanics. I think he is a better pitcher than Ian Anderson will be. But at the same time, I'm not expecting an ERA in the low threes. Um, I mean, in 2021, when he had that great rookie season, he had a 264 with an XERA of 337, then 547 to 484 in terms of the XERA. Like, I think he is a good pitcher, similar to Anderson. The fastball got crushed, but again, similar to Anderson, it's not a bad fastball, and he was a bit unlucky. I think he has more upside than Ian Anderson. You know, coming from the left side, it's not a 94-mile-an-hour fastball. It's a little it's bit higher in yeah. velocity. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it, it's similar in terms of, like, when you look on Baseball Savant, they're both in the 94 to 95 range. But we see when Trevor Rogers is on, especially at the late, latter part of the season, he was more 95-96, and Ian Anderson just doesn't get up there. So he has more upside. But I would put it at like a three eight ERA for Trevor Rogers. Like that's what I think he at. He's at. I think he's a strong four. I don't think he's that rookie year. I don't think mm-hmm. he's last year. I think he is pretty solid. So and you- even like Arm pointed, and you know Arm and I were talking about, it, and he was a guy who I was tailing at the end of the year, and he put together a couple back to back really nice starts. I remember so specifically. I bet against him when they faced the Rays, and he basically shut them down absolutely shut them down and I was intrigued I was like whoa his velocity was back up his slider looked better but then he kind of reverted back to that a little bit he he had some good starts in a row and then he was kind of back to just fine pitching and I think he's better than fine but I don't think he's this great young lefty that we saw in his rookie year I don't I think he's a great young lefty so you're you're buying a bit of the regression I'm selling it a bit. Um, I do think that he's a great young lefty for now. I think that I'm going to need to reassess on May 1. I got to see what he looks like in April. Because in April, if he's getting tattooed, I got to seriously reconsider this. But I may just chalk it up to like a bad year. As of right now, I'm just going to chalk it up to a bad year because I still see that humongous body and the unique arm slot and the way the changeup works off the fastball. Like, I don't know. I, I guess... Strictly from feeling in my intestines, Trevor Rogers is a bright young left-handed arm. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I mean, it's funny. Trevor Rogers is older than Ian Anderson, which you might not expect. You know, he's he's 25 years old. Ian Anderson is 24. I mean, they're yeah. still both young. They both got AARP accounts. Yeah. They're both in this a similar spot for me. More Trevor in the sense of I think he'll be much better than he was last year. Rather than Ian Anderson, I think he'll be better. I'm like, yeah. I just thought we saw the best Trevor Rogers we may ever see in his rookie year. Yeah, there's a chance I think that he can recapture that more so than I think Ian Anderson can recapture what he did early in his career. So uh, you're buying a little bit. I'm selling a little bit. Um, Nelson Cruz with Washington. This past year, he had an 85 WRC+, plus, which was his first time under 100 since 2007. 
He had a negative 0.8 F4 and a 337 slug. They're the lowest marks of his 18-year big league career. His average exit velocity, how hard he was hitting the ball, dropped by two miles an hour from 2021 to 2022. Barrel rate dropped by 4%, which is certainly noticeable. Nelson Cruz at the age of 42 may be over the hill. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think he's a little bit over the hill. The guy still hits the ball hard and... I think he has an outside shot of making the Hall of Fame, but then I think about, you know, the PED stuff, and then I kind of retract that. But in just in terms of the numbers, 459 career home runs, I've always really liked Nelson Cruz. Um, I think he's one of the better guys at defying father time, which is why he's still playing at 42 years old. And he was obviously brought in as a, you know, half on the field, half clubhouse and I even think that's generous to his play on the field, I would say he's pretty much over the hill. Like, could he turn in an Albert Pujols-esque season? Maybe, because he can still hit lefties, but it would have to be a flash in the pan. And But I will say I wouldn't be surprised if he did something like Pujols, but I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen either. Um the other thing is Pujols was a lot closer to 700 than Cruz is to 500. He's what, 41 away? 41 away. Nelson Cruz ain't hitting 41 bombs, I think, in the next two years. Um, yeah, I don't he, think if so he either. plays two more seasons, I still think he, he's shy of 500. Like, I don't know. Power can only be there for so long. And Pujols, yes, he had that tear, but it's not like Pujols looked 30 again during that time. I mean, it looked like he was in pain when he was swinging the bat. So... I don't want to see a Nelson Cruz in pain. Like, I don't want to see, you know, old man in men's league saying still got it because that's not what Major League Baseball is for. Like, there are enough power hitting prospects in minor league baseball for them to be getting a shot over an old man. And the only guys that have really deserved that opportunity to play as an old man is somebody like Albert Pujols. Um, But I think when Cruz is done, it's going to look very similar to Robinson Cano where he just kind of starts bouncing around. I agree. I not much else to say. Like it's Nelson Cruz. He'll be great in the clubhouse, but don't expect much on the field. And if you get anything you get out of him, gravy, right? Right. Anything you get out of him. There's no downside to this contract. I yeah. don't think. Uh, Josiah Gray, 2022 started 28 games had an ERA over five at a five, eight, six FIP. And he led the national league in home runs allowed and walks issued opponents hit 301 and slugged blank against his fastball that he threw 40 percent of the time what did opponents slug against his fastball which he used 40 percent of the time 738 and it's Holy one of the worst fuck. it's one of the worst pitches in baseball that's what we're dealing with with josiah gray and if you remember josiah gray came over in the max scherzer deal from washington to um well from los angeles from the dodgers over to the nationals he has good breaking stuff though like that's that's the weird thing about josiah gray his slider is really good his curveball is really good and they had him throwing a sinker i mean only about four percent but you could tell that they understand his fastball is so bad so they're trying to put in something else and opponents hit 333 against the slide or against the sinker with a 524 slug against like that's if he doesn't have another pitch like that, I'm just worried that he'll never get to that 
potential ace that I think he was lauded as, as a prospect. Is he a 4-4 ERA guy? Probably. I mean, he's now back-to-back seasons of an ERA over five. Is he that bad? I don't think so because his breaking stuff is good, and I assume the Nationals are going to come to him and say, all right, we need the fastball to be the third most thrown pitch. Don't assume anything about the Washington Nationals. I'm just saying what I hope to happen because throw your best pitches more. Like that's an easy thing to say. So if he throws the slider and the curveball a ton, like we saw it with Dylan Cease, right? Dylan Cease's slider was the best pitch in Major League Baseball in 2022. He threw it more than his fastball, which was an adjustment that he made. Could we see more of that from Gray where he throws his slider more and he throws the curveball more? Because even last year, we kind of started to see that a little bit. Slider usage went up. The curveball usage went up. But he still throws the fastball 39% of the time. Like I'd love Dylan Seath, for example, throws his slider 42% of the time. Throw your slider 42% of the time. Throw your curveball 30% of the time. Then throw your fastball like 20% to, you know, change eye level and and use it like a third pitch. Because the fastball, if he continues to throw it this much, or if he doesn't make tangible changes to it, he's just going to keep getting pelted. Um, Think about the guy and the organization that you just mentioned. Dylan Cease, the Chicago White Sox, Ethan Katz, who's on the cutting edge of pitching development. The Washington Nationals are the antithesis of that. Josiah Gray should be looking to outsource information regarding his pitch arsenal. Hopefully he goes back and he's decided what he's going to do. But if we've learned anything over the Nationals' ability to develop pitchers, it's do not trust the Washington Nationals' to develop anything on the mound. Mason Denneberg, Jackson Rutledge, Cade Cavalli can't really throw a strike right now. They got Mackenzie Gore, who is a finished product as a prospect. And let's Um, see how he does. And I I can already hear the YouTube comments. Also, if you're enjoying our content, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, leave your comments about Steven Strasburg because I can already hear it. But he was one of the best pitching prospects ever out of San Diego State. They didn't have and to do much. And then look the how his career has gone. Yeah. Corbin. Corbin made no changes, and now he's T-ball. Um, I'm worried Josiah Gray is getting really close to T-ball, especially with the fastball. The fastball already is T-ball. It is. It's one of the worst pitches in baseball. I'm not being hyperbolic. It is one of the worst pitches in baseball. But at the same time, like there are things that I see where if he made changes – he could reach that potential because he is a really good athlete. Remember, Josiah Gray was also a guy who started pitching later. He was always that guy in farm system and the daughter's farm system. I remember it was like, man, if he can click, he could be really, really good because he's got good breaking stuff. And he does. Let's not forget that. Great slider. Opponents hit under 200 against it. Great curveball. Opponents hit under 200 against it. But the fastball was jelly. The See? fastball was bad. So if he throws it less... I see it, but if he doesn't, we're going to see the same. Same same reasoning with Ian Anderson, why I'm kind of buying the regression. I just, I've never seen somebody rework a fastball like that well. And, and you have to have a fastball to beat major league hitters. So, unless you're a bullpen guy. But um, the difference is, Trevor Rogers, Ian Anderson, their fastball was good. Then they had a bad year with the fastball. Yeah. Josiah Gray's fastball, fastball has never been. never been good. It's always gotten crushed. 
he might just not have it. And that's why we saw a sinker come in. And then that got crushed. So everything that's not a curveball to slider is just going to the moon. Just sucks. Not like Anderson and Rogers, where their fastball uh, in 2021 was good. Bad year with it. This year, we'll see what jokes I agree. I'm hoping for him. I'm rooting for him, though. Yeah. All right. NL Central now. Tyler O'Neill, 2022, played just under 100 games, was a one and a half win player. He had 228 with a 101 WRC plus, 14 homers, 14 bags. Um, it's not the end of the world in terms of his season, especially because it had three IL stints. He was dealing with a shoulder and a hamstring thing. But this is coming off a five and a half win season in 2021. Can Tyler O'Neill recapture that five and a half win player in 21? Yes or no? Maybe not 2021, but I'm always going to be a Tyler O'Neill believer because he just, if we're talking about the five tools, it's hard to find someone uh, who has that level of tools. He is very similar to Byron Buxton. He's not the fielder that Buxton is, obviously, in center field, but he's still a good outfielder. 97th percentile sprint speed hits the living piss out of the ball. But there's just, I understand like what happened to him. Cause he can be kind of over aggressive at times, but we did see him banged up last year and we did see a pretty solid second half, 756 OPS in the second half. He crushed lefties. He just couldn't really hit. He crushed lefties. Couldn't really hit righties. He's a guy who, Probably will never be a five and a half war guy, but he has it in the tank. I just don't know if he's ever going to get there, but I do think he's going to bounce back. I see an 800 OPS in his future. I really do. I think the home runs will be there. I think the stolen bases are going to be there. And I think he's going to be a good enough fielder to approach a four war season. That body, those tattoos, that Canadian personality, eight win player, Tyler. I love him. I love Tyler O'Neill. I'll Fucking always be hot. a Tyler O'Neill. Everything about him is hot. Agreed. He's a he's a good player, and he's 27 years old. You know, he's not over the hill. This should be his kind of prime season. Um, I want to see him healthy again. That's my big thing. Yeah, like he slugged 560 in 2021 and slugged 392 in 2022. So this guy is a sports car where, like, if one thing is wrong – the car's fucked. You know what I mean? But it's it's such a well-oiled machine that just can't overcome like tiny hurdles. Um, and, and I think that a hammy hindering that guy who's insane speed, insane juice, insane physique. Um, I think that if that guy's hammy screwed up or his shoulder screwed up, everything is thrown out of whack. Like you've got the alarms blaring everywhere. So that's my thought. And even his swing, too. It's a short swing, but, you know, he's got a little bit of that leg kick, got some moving parts there. It's a timing thing with him, too, kind of similar. We're going to talk about Bellinger a little bit later. But I totally agree with the analogy, and I also think that it's fully health-dependent for him. If he's fully healthy, we could see him rocket back up there. Will we see that peak again? Probably not. I don't think it's, it's a good bet to bet on that. But at the same time, I think a good bet is that he'll be much better than he was last year if he's healthy. I think that within the next two years, he recaptures that. I think that he's a five, five and a half win player in the next. And two I know years. that, you know, there's a lot of numbers I don't want to go through, but a lot of the numbers point towards positive regression as well. Yeah, I'm 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 concretely selling the regression. I feel like we've been somewhere in between on a lot of guys like this is one of the one of the few where I will concretely sell the yeah. bad year. 
since Ronald Acuna Jr., this is the one I'm most confident in selling the bad regression. How about Dylan Carlson, his teammate? 128 games in 2022. He slugged under 400. He hit under 240. He was a two and a half win player. He had a league average WRC plus. He was at 100 exactly. Dylan Carlson is always going to be a two and a half win player. He's always going to be a three win player because of how good he is defensively. My worry is lack of impact. He was seventh percentile in exit velocity. Seventh. He's not impacting the ball at all. I'm worried that he is limited to the leadoff spot or the eight or nine hole in a lineup when I was hoping for a 20 homer, 15 to 20 homer six hitter that plays elite defense. We're going to get the elite defense. I'm just worried that we're not going to get the Dylan Carlson that we were sold on when he was coming up. I think that's fine. But at the same time, Dylan Carlson is not a guy who needs to impact the baseball to be successful. 780 OPS, which was a really good offensive season for a guy who can get to any ball in center field. Like if I told you I have a switch hitting center fielder who's going to be near 800 OPS who could win a gold glove, that's, and he's 24 years old, like you are buying that. And to your point, he was, he didn't impact the baseball at all last year, seventh percentile on average exit velocity. But with that 780 OPS that year, he was 29th percentile in average exit velocity, ninth percentile in a hard hit rate. So it's not like he needs that to be successful. And when you look at a Dylan Carlson and, and some of his numbers too, they would point to slight positive regression, but he's a guy who doesn't impact the baseball that hard. So a lot of the advanced metrics don't love him, but I still think he's a, just a sound baseball player. And I don't think he'll be a 780 OPS guy next year, but I think 750 to 770 is in his future with that elite defense. Like, I think he will be a four-win player next year. I really believe in Dylan Carlson. Wow. Okay, so you're taking, if I set it at 3.6 F4, you're taking over? I would take the over. I go under. I'm buying the regression. You're selling the regression. I'm selling it. I'm a Dylan Carlson stand. I'm a Tyler O'Neill stand. I think both okay. of these guys are really good baseball players. And the great thing about it, too, is Dylan Carlson much safer than O'Neill. Because yeah. even if Dylan Carlson has a 100 OP or 100 WRC plus OPS plus whatever it is, again, if he's an average hitter, three three win guy, like two and a half win guy, two and a half win guy last year. But I think he's even going to get better in the outfield too. Like there's still room for improvement there. The more times, the more attempts he get in center field, like I think he's just going to get better and better. I really believe in him as a player. All right, best one this year: O'Neill, Carlson, or Newt Bar. I think O'Neal, like if we're talking about ceiling, there's no higher ceiling, maybe even on the Cardinals. Yeah. Then Tyler O'Neill and you're saying, well, what about Arenado? And what about Goldschmidt? Yeah, of course, like they're up there too. Right. But if we're talking about a tools package, it doesn't get much higher than Tyler O'Neal. No, th th he's a nut job. He's a nut job. Freak. Yeah. Crazy um, athlete. I will also say O'Neal. So we agree there. All right. This can be quick because we have this conversation a lot. Christian Yelich hit 230 or hit a what? He, he had a 111 WRC plus. He was a 2.3 F4 guy. He had 14 homers and 19 backs. Christian Yelich had a 59% ground ball rate, which was the highest since 2015. He couldn't stop putting the ball on the ground. You can't blame his back anymore. Uh, it just sucks to come to terms with the fact that we're never going to see prime Yelich again. 
the one thing I will say about Yelich, and we've talked about this before, I guess the more I dove into it, the ground ball rate narrative, I feel like, is almost getting overblown here. 60%, because, dude. I know. And it was the highest of his career, except dating back to 2015, where he was a rookie, and I'm not even going to count that. Yeah, he played like 40 games or something, right? But like in that 2018 year where he had 1,000 OPS, the dude had a 53% ground ball rate. Like, it's just, and he still hits the living piss out of the ball. Like, 98th percentile max exit velocity. The dude hit a ball 117 miles an hour last year. He can still rake. But I also feel kind of similar to Bellinger that he may have been a, he may have been helped by the juice balls. Like, that's may of what kind of happened to him, right? He was hitting all those home runs then. He made that adjustment. I remember... He was speaking in an interview about Barry Bonds. Um, there's a great YouTube video also from All That Baseball. He talks about the rise and fall of Yelich and Bellinger. And he talks about a lot of those things that I talked about. And we're on the same page of where it is kind of a launch angle thing for him, right? And that's what Barry Bonds found in him. He did a lot of drills in that offseason in order to get better, in order to lift the ball. Because, man, he still hits the crap out of the ball. Like, that hasn't left yet. That's why in the back of our minds, Jack, we always think to ourselves, Yelich can be the MVP again. Because if he was not impacting the baseball similar to a Nick Castellanos, we would have given up on him by now. But it's so hard for us to do that because he's hitting the ball 117 miles an hour. There are a few hitters who can do that. But I just don't think he's ever going to be 36 home runs again. I don't think he even has that in the tank anymore. So there's still a part of me that still thinks he's going to be good if he could just lift the ball. And that's why I understand where you're talking about with the ground ball rate. But we have to also understand that he's always been a high ground ball rate. Yeah, but there's there's a difference between 53% and 60%. And I can't, I can't. I agree with you. In good conscience, tinfoil hat my way out of believing in Christian Yelich. You know what I mean? Like I can't, I can't juiced ball my way out of believing in Christian Yelich because he was an otherworldly talent. Like the years that he put together in 2017 and 18 are the stuff of legends. Like those are the years you look at and it's like, oh my God, that's what a baseball player should look like. You know what I mean? And for him to never get close to that again would really suck. And I'm still going to hold out a little bit of hope just strictly from a sentimental standpoint, but going into 2023, I'm not going to tell you that Christian Yelich is a great dark horse MVP candidate. I can't do it in good conscience because I don't believe that he's going to tap into that again because he's putting the ball on the ground all the time. His swing's been out of whack for the last two years, maybe even three considering 2020. I mean, it just, it just sucks to come to terms with that. I just think it's also a mental thing. You spoke about the injuries too, the back thing. Like he's just gotten less aggressive over the years and it's led I, to a higher walk rate, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's led to more production because Christian Yelich, like you want him swinging the bat because yeah. when he hits the ball, it freaking flies. But he was also a 15% walk rate guy when he was winning MVPs and he's a 14% walk rate guy right now. I'm not asking him to like start swinging more. It's just, I wish when he did put bat on ball, it wasn't on the fucking ground all the time. And, uh, I I watched the the demise of Derrick Rose firsthand, and this is not comparable. Um, it, it's not apples to apples. It's I 
it's closer to apples to apples than I'm that I'm saying, but it's not exact because Derrick Rose was like youngest MVP of all time. Like he was Hall of Fame gonna contend with magic by the time he was 23 years old and then all of a sudden he's a shell of his former self and it's always fun when a 30 year old is turning back the clock right um Yelich that's not really the case like he was I think 26 and 27 years old when he won his back-to-back MVPs um or MVP and then you know fell second short second place to belly yeah second place to belly 2018 2019 so I mean it's not it's not like surefire hall of famer at the age of 28 Derrick Rose was like surefire Hall of Famer at the age of 23, and then that shit just fell apart. Um, I guess it's like a, a Brandon Roy thing where it's, hey, what could have been? Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like that might even be too drastic. No, but both of those comparisons make sense, though. Guys who, with incredible talent, beaten down by injuries. But and it's never he... recovered from those injuries. You know yeah, I mean? never recovered from those injuries. But it's not like that's the issue here, too. You know, it's not like he didn't play last year. Played 154 games. Yeah. Just seemed timid. Like, doesn't he played the games, but they weren't healthy games. It didn't look like his mind was right. But if he gets his mind right and he lifts the ball, he's still hitting the piss out of it. Yeah. And when you hit the piss out of the ball, more often than not, it's going to lead to extra base hits, home runs, and base hits. Yeah. So All if right, he's we'll healthy... Pick. His mind's right. Sky's still the limit. I still think it's in there. But will don't. it be in there? I just don't. Um, all right, we'll pick up the pace here. Freddie Peralta, 78 innings. He was hampered by injury. His ERA jumped up to 3-6 after a 2-8 in 2021. Uh, we are Freddie Stans. I'm selling the regression. Freddie's back this year. Gotta be. How can you not say he's back? This is such an easy one. Like his second half was great. He is such a good pitcher. He was he was injured. This is easy. He's going to be back to the two nine guy. His fastball's electric. His slider's electric. Slider's he is a elite. very good pitcher. Love him. And we're not just being Freddie stands because we predicted his breakout almost to a T. One of the best predictions that we've ever had. We've had bad predictions before. Yes. I've had literally awful predictions before but that's uh, christian javier i mean horrible but for that's every john guy, means and danny duffy we've got a freddie yeah. peralta john means i still have plenty of hope for it and, and danny duffy's still developing you can't you can't blame him for that one yeah um, no but freddie peralta is a guy you look at the numbers you look at I, mean, I don't have to go through them all to tell you that positive regression is heading towards his way he was hurt and he still had an opponent batting average under 200. He was a 165 batting average against in 2021. I don't know if he's going to be 165, but if you're under 200, you're going to be successful. And a 358, still decent. I think he's going to be low threes, high twos. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, is he fully cooked? Yes or no? Fully cooked? Back-to-back I mean, years with a 4-8 ERA after not having an ERA over four in his first seven seasons. Yeah. His... I don't have anything to give you. I, I, I don't. Like I'm buying it. the regression. I think Kyle <laughs> Hendricks is, is done. Yeah, I mean, we can go through it, but it doesn't. Which look sucks because I love Kyle Hendricks. I grew yeah. up loving Kyle Hendricks on those. One guys. of the smartest players in all of Major League Baseball. Yeah, but when you throw a curveball 12 percent of the time that opponents hit 420 against with a 780 slug, that's a real problem. And Kyle I Hendricks, can... it's not like he's going to blow an 87 mile an hour fastball slash sinker by you. He just has to have pinpoint command and he's just not got it anymore um cody bellinger 
210 mm. with a 390 slug, a 650 OPS. It's better than his like 580 OPS in 21. He was a 1.7 F4 guy with an 83 WRC plus. Um, his chase rate was never above 30% before 2021. Now, each of the last two years, the chase rate's been at 35%. He's expanding because I think the game's moving really quickly on him. He, he's one of baseball's greatest mysteries, I think more so than Yelich. Um, and because it's not health-related, I almost have more faith in Bellinger rebounding than I do Yelich. Oh, I have way less faith. Way less. Wow. Okay. Way less. Big, big disagree. Yeah. Here. Way less faith. Right. And I think the reason for it is doesn't impact the baseball like he used to. Not even close. Like he was pillaging baseballs, pillaging baseballs in his MVP year. He had 47 nukes, right? 47 nukes. Last year, his max exit velocity was in the 31st percentile. Dude. Average exit velocity, less than 90 miles an hour. He doesn't impact the baseball like he used to. And his swing has so many moving parts. And in that video, like that's why I say you guys got to go watch all that baseball, the rise and fall of Yell- of Bellinger, because I was kind of on the fence. And he really, this video convinced me of we might never see Bellinger again. And I think about this too, and it's, it's not fair, but... I believe it, which is a bad thing to say, but it, it's just how I feel, and I'm a person. If the Dodgers let him go, He's that should be a sign, right? Yeah. These organizations aren't perfect. They make mistakes, but there's some organizations that make a lot less mistakes than others. He won an MVP for them. He They wouldn't give him a two-year deal. You don't think he would have stayed? No, of dude, a one-year deal. 2019 MVP non-tendered by 2022 uncharted waters uncharted waters and this isn't a team who we don't have faith in this isn't the Colorado Rockies this is the Los Angeles Dodgers hey like he made obvious swing changes to make up for his problems in I think what did he break uh he didn't break a femur but it was something wrong in his leg like there was there's just been injuries that has made him to force like changes in his swing, which have not helped him at all. Like he's a guy too, even when fully healthy, he has to revert all the way back to it. And even if he does all of that, I don't think it's there anymore. Like the guy is kind of similar to Castellanos in a way where you're paid to impact the baseball and And he's he's not. not. Yelich hitting the piss out of the ball still. It's just on the ground. Just lift it. Right. Bellinger. Even if he lifts it, it's not going anywhere. That's why I have much less faith in Cody Bellinger. And if you look at some of the advanced numbers too, he got slightly lucky last year. All right. You know what? Hand up. I I was wrong. I'm I'm buying the regression. No, but if you like him, like he won, he was the MVP in 2019. This is just what I'm seeing. That video illustrated it very well. I would, I would, if I had a hundred dollar bills and you could say, which, where are you putting your hundred dollar bills, Yelich or Bellinger? I'm putting all 100 in Yelich. Wow. Okay. I'm see, I'm, I'm hedging. I'm going hedging is for losers. 
Just kidding. I have a feature on the Chiefs on the Super Bowl. Should I bet on the Eagles to hedge? I kind of want yes. to. I think the Eagles yes. are going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going. I'm going fifty fifty. Bellinger and and Yelich. Actually, so. I'm way apart. Way all apart. right. There we yeah. go. Uh, Key Brian Hayes is 2023 his breakout. He had an 88 WRC plus. He was still a three win guy because he was a platinum glove level defender. So Aram. Arum's, uh, and I want to hear, you know, his breakdown on this, and I don't want to steal his thunder, but I do know a stat that he loves to point to for a lot of these guys, and it's zone contact percentage. Because when you hit the ball that's in the zone a ton and you don't chase a lot, you have a good future ahead of you, and that's what Cabrian Hayes has. And Cabrian Hayes hits the living piss out of the ball. So when you hit the living piss out of the ball, you hit pretty much everything in the zone and you don't chase, you have a bright future ahead of you. My thing is with Cabrian Hayes, we want to talk about like ground ball rates. He lowered it last year and it didn't really help him that much. The dude hit seven home runs. Like I think there's a breakout ahead of him offensively, but I don't see the peak being that high. Like I see what Arm's saying because if he can go from an 88 WRC plus to a 110 WRC plus, he becomes Matt Chapman-esque, right. one of the best third baseman in baseball because the glove is the best in baseball. And I know Nolan Arenado keeps rattling off gold gloves, but if you look at the numbers, Cabrian Hayes is the best defensive third baseman in the game. Yeah. So I see what Arm's saying, but I just I think Arm and I disagree on what he could be at the peak offensively. I think he could be a slightly above average hitter. Well, Arm, I, just- I think, sees a lot more in the tank. I just don't know if Hayes can slug. That's my big thing. Like he slugged my thing too. this year. I, I have no idea if there's power in there. And I don't think there's a batting title in there. Like I don't even know if 300 is in there. But I do know that you're going to get a low teens K rate from him when he's at his best because of the zone contact and his reluctance to chase pitches. So I do feel good about Key Brian Hayes being a safe option and the elitist of elite of elite defenders. Um but I just don't know if he's ever going to impact the ball and slug enough to be, you know, the, a, a perennial all-star third baseman. He may just be the guy that's like the best defensive player in baseball that isn't necessary. I, I don't think he's going to be Kevin Kiermaier. He's going to be a lot better no. than Kevin Kiermaier. Let's get that straight. But I'm not sure that he's going to be Nolan Arenado. No, I he, he won't. Like, he just... He's not nearly the hitter that Arenado is, and I don't even think it's close. And I think where all three of us are kind of on the same page, I feel like you and I are more closely together of where we all see a breakout coming. You and I are more just, what's that breakout look like offensively, where we think he could be slightly above average, while Arm sees a lot more. That's why I want to pick Arm's brain on him, because he's such an interesting case, because he's got it all there. And I want to see Arm break it down more to see where he thinks. Because if you hear Arm talk, he, Arm's got him at a 130 WRC plus or something. Right. Me, you, I think we're around the 100 and 100 even. And if he has a 100 WRC plus with that defense, he's going to be great. Like that's yeah, he's a, he's a very similar to Dylan Carlson. Right. Maybe not because he's not, he's a better defender at third than Carlson is at center, but it's that same thing. Just be yes. average offensively and you'll be a very, well-respected and very good player in our league. 
hundred percent. I, I think that you and I view him as average to slightly above average. Offensively, um, I think that's fair. Joey Votto had a torn rotator cuff at the end of the year. He missed the end of the year, but he had a 92 WRC plus, which was the lowest of his career. He had a minus 0.9 F4, lowest of his career, 11 homers, lowest in full season of his career, 370 slug, first time under 400 in his career. Is Votto nearing the end? He's 39, dude. Yeah. Yes, he's nearing the end. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of a quick one. We could go into the approach, which helped him have, you know, a crazy good season in 2021. Um, But... I just don't see it anymore. Um, if there's a guy to, you know, believe in without, you know, just look away from the numbers, look away from everything and just believe in him. He's the guy because he's a potential Hall of Famer. And remember when we interviewed Joe Posnanski, him and Votto were on the phone and he wants to put Votto in the next edition of the top 100 players. Yeah. Like, I agree with that. I think he's one of the best of all time. But at this stage in his career, I'll throw everything out the window and say, hey. I hope, and I can kind of believe it because it's Joey Votto, like similar to Pujols. Like who in their right mind had Pujols going to the home run derby, destroying lefties, but it's just Albert Pujols. Like you can't project it. Votto's in a similar spot where I just believe. I can't break it down numerically. Yeah. can't analyze it by the numbers. I just believe it. So I I think he's going to be kind of all right next year. I just think he's going to launch into the other part of Joey Votto's baseball career where he's doing a bunch of the other shit. And Adam Wainwright, like I, I think Waino is actually going to start doing that this year. Like I, I think it's going to be the weaning out process. And I think everybody's going to know that this is the last year of Adam Wainwright. And, you know, we're going to see him doing media appearances and shit like that. Like, I think that's where Votto is at in his career. And that's okay. I could see this being Votto's last year too. Yeah. Um I could see him fighting for the 300, 400, 500 slash line. Yeah. Because he knows that his team's not going to compete. So he also knows that, you know, what's the motivation here for Votto? No, it's it's retire as a red and get your flowers. Exactly. Jonathan so I do kind of think he's going to be okay. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think he's going to be less than okay. So, all right. All right. Jonathan India, again, injury hampered, 103 games. 95 WRC plus. He was a 0.4 war guy, 10 homers, three bags. He's got to get better. I mean, he was so injury riddled this past year. Yeah, he's he's pretty similar in my mind um, to Freddie Peralta in the where in the way that I point to an injury. He was banged up, and he's going to be totally fine. Yeah, I love Jonathan India. Yeah, I really do. And he had a great second half. 751 OPS, not the 830 that he had, but his career OPS is a 781. That's what I think he's going to be next year. Yeah. And I think the defense is going to improve. Injury riddled season. I'm not worried at all about India. Are we going to see 830? Maybe not. No. But like, think, could we yeah. see 800? I think we totally could see that. And I wouldn't be shocked at all. I think he's going to have a very good year next year if he's fully healthy, which yeah, all signs point to that he is. I, I think he's 780 to 800 OPS. I think he's very high 700s in OPS. And I, I love India, and, and I know you love India too, so I've got some confidence here. All right, rapid fire through the NL West. Uh, two Dodgers, Max Muncy, 136 games. He hit under 200, but he still walked at a very high clip, but a 329 OBP. He's a 2.4 F4 guy, 
21 homers, 69 RBIs, a 384 slug, all the lowest marks across full seasons as an LA Dodger. His Dodger career started in 2018. Does Muncie bounce back? Yes or no? Absolutely, yes. I'm selling all bad regression. In August, the dude had a 906 OPS. In September, he had an 882 OPS. He was injured earlier in the season. And you can even go through his injury logs and see, all right, he struggled this month. What happened? You go, injury. He was great this month. Okay, let's go to the injury log. Fully no, healthy. No. Yeah. It was an injury-related season. I'm selling bad regression. I know we didn't do shit in October. I know that but he's still a really good player. I am buying Max Muncy, a guy who still impacts the baseball. 91st percentile in barrel rate, you know, 74th mag zags. I We don't have to yeah. go through all the numbers. Yeah. I am selling regression. I'm he's selling I'm selling regression as well, just because he walks so fucking much, dude. Yeah. I mean, like this guy hedges any concerns with one of the best eyes in baseball. And he's just been a machine since he's come to the Dodgers, like more so than Justin Turner. If you talk to Dodgers fans, which I have plenty growing up in California, yeah, they almost it. get annoyed by the walks. Because and I, I watch it. You yeah, see it like too. He'll let, he'll let fastballs just go down the middle. Yeah. Like he's like, yeah. nah, I'll get it. I'll get the next one. It's like, dude, you can hit and he still can hit. Yeah. And I think it's just a you can have the high walk rate while taking advantage of those middle middle fastballs. And he should and he will. And he'll be good again. All right. Chris Taylor, 93 WRC plus slash 221, 304, 373, a 35% K rate, all the worst marks since joining the LA Dodgers. Could it have been complacency after signing the long-term deal? Probably not. I don't think it was health related. I just think this is who like Chris Taylor kind of is. I, I think that he played really well for a contract and that's about it. I agree. I think he had a 677 OPS last year. I'd put the over-under there again. Um, not much to be excited about. The dude just doesn't impact the baseball like he used to. Yeah. Um, and you can go back and look at previous years. He's going to be 33. Yeah. Just might be the end of the line a little bit for Chris Taylor. Can still add some positional versatility. Is still a clutch player. I still believe he's going to have those moments next year. But over the full 162, I wouldn't expect much. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, all right. Is Sean Manaya? is he a five ERA guy? 158 oh. innings at a 4.96 ERA. Uh, that was the highest of his career. Lowest Ks per nine of his career. Highest walks per nine since 2017. Highest FIP of his career. 1.3 whip. Highest since 2017. It was a really bad year for Manaya. It was a pretty bad year for Manaya, no doubt about it. But Manaya was one of the pitchers who I came in. You know, when we look at the players on the list, right? And we do our deep dives on all of them. And there's some that jump off the page where you're like, oh, I want to hit that guy first because I want to see what happened. Yelich, Bellinger comes to mind, Acuna, even Ian Anderson, Trevor Otters. Like those guys come to mind. This was one where I was like, oh, what happened with Sean Manaya, right? Because Sean Manaya isn't that exciting of a pitcher. But I actually think he's going to be much better next year with the San Francisco It's hard to Giants. get worse. It's hard to get worse. If we look at XCRA, He's normally in the low fours, high threes, and that's what he's been in regular year. And then last year he had a four nine six. And what was weird, I think it was kind of a fluke year. Opponents hit three oh one against his changeup, which is normally his best secondary offering. But the expected numbers on that changeup were much better than what actually happened. I think he's going to be a four ERA guy next year, 
and one of the better pitchers in the San Francisco Giants rotation. And I think a lot of people might be a little bit surprised to hear that. But I believe that he is better than what he showed last year. I'm actually, the more I did research on him, the more I got excited for a decent year from Manaya. I think he's better than the numbers show. I, I'm I'm pretty out on Manaya. I, I think that I, I'm buying the regression, but I'm selling it to this extent because it can't get worse than this. I don't think he's a five ERA guy again. I But I think he is a low fours, which is not good from Sean Manaya. Like if he's a four, two, I don't feel good about that. If I'm a Giants fan, uh, I don't feel good about that. If I'm Sean Manaya, but I think that's what we're getting from Sean. Manaya. Here's my thing about Sean Manaya. Maybe I can convince you. All right. He's got three pitches, the sinker, which opponents hit 239 against last year. Opponents hit 273 against the sinker, but a lot of the advanced metrics, the expected numbers based on batted ball data, pointed to the pitch should be better than it was in 2021. And it did. It was a very good sinker. I know he only throws it at 91, but it it has some deception to it with his windup. Like he, he, you know, he can get that sinker by guys. Yeah. The changeup opponents at 238 against it last year. And then they hit 301 against it this year. But again, a lot of the advanced metrics point, they got lucky on the changeup. And the slider opponents only hit 210 against it. So if the sinker lasts, the slider lasts, and the changeup gets back to what the numbers say it should be. It's a high threes, four ERA guy. Doesn't matter. Gut feel, I'm out. I'm with that. I'm with gut feeling. Because you'll watch plenty of the games and you see that it just didn't look good. And there were plenty of games where he looked like garbage. But if I'm basing it off the numbers, because my head does kind of agree with you. Because what we saw on the field wasn't pretty. But what I will say is we've seen good Sean Mania before. Like this isn't a guy who's been bad forever. Yeah, I think that I was just the worst year like... of his career. And also the Giants are good at this, right? The they Giants are. are an organization who gets an aging pitcher and squeezes all the juices out of him. That's what I think is going to happen with Mania. I think he's going to be one of those guys that we look back at the end of the season who ranks decently high in F4, and you're like, what the hell? I think that's Mania. Final piece on Mania. Um even his good outings in Oakland when I watched, it felt like a tightrope act. It it felt because his like stuff is not electric. It yeah, is. and and like that <laughs> concerns like stuff. me. You're As a McClanahan a, guy. You're a McClanahan. I'm guy. a McClanahan you, guy. You're a As, slut for good stuff. But like, which is so fucking weird because Mark Burley was my favorite pitcher. I know. Like so stupid. I should love those guys. And I loved Kyle Hendricks and I loved John Lester. Like those guys were not nasty. But now in in a three true outcome game, in a strikeout walk and bomb game, in a lifting game, I think you got to have some nasty to you. And I just don't see any nasty with Sean Manaya. And that's my piece. I think that's fair. What I will say is of those three pitches, I think it's hard to get a lot of lift off them. The changeup did get lifted out of the ballpark, but that's not normal. The slider doesn't get lifted all that much. The sinker not lifted that much. The slider, if it's a hanger, it gets lifted hard. You know what? Shamanai is going to win the Scion. <laughs> All right. All right. I Again, another punch me in the face bet. If Shamanai wins the Scion, you can punch me in the face. That's better than Stetson Bennett throwing a touchdown. Especially possibly. now. Especially yeah, now. Especially now. Yeah. <laughs> I may never be able to even touch you. I even saw people on Twitter shouted it out. Like when that thing came out, I got tagged three different times being like, you're never going to punch Jack, are you? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love it. Um, all right. Brandon Crawford. <laughs> 
2021 was a fluke. I, I just want to put that out there right now. He was a two win guy in 2022. He had an 87 WRC plus in 2021. He was a six and a half win player with a 900 OPS and a 140 WRC plus. Where the fuck did that come from? Yeah, that I don't is, know anymore. That is such a crazy year. Mookie Betts had a 6.604 last year in Crawford. I mean, what a crazy year, but I agree. Similar to Chris Taylor doesn't impact the baseball enough anymore. Yeah. Like, but still a great defender. Like, can't take that away from him. Can still pick it with like nobody's business. Yeah. All right. Four more. Carson Kelly, 0.4 F4 in 104 games. He had a 73 WRC plus. He was like a top five catcher in the game coming into this year. And now he's factored out almost entirely. Gabby Moreno's the guy moving forward. Does Carson Kelly have a spot in the Diamondbacks lineup? Should I think we should just trust the Diamondbacks, right? They wanted to get rid of outfielders. And what did they get? A catcher. Why? If they believe in Carson Kelly, why would they get a catcher? Because Carson Kelly's yeah. 27, 28 yeah. years old. Like, the let's, trust, let's trust the organization here. And Carson Kelly's going to be one of the better backups in baseball. But yeah. he, I hate to keep reiterating myself, but he doesn't impact the baseball. It's and um, as a prospect, like he, you believe that he could develop this like grit, you know, this strength just never did. Like just doesn't impact the baseball. I hate to be so simple, but I could get into all the numbers. I could list you everything, but I mean, this is a podcast and we're here for entertainment and he doesn't impact the baseball. Am I entertaining? Yes. Oh, vaguely. Thanks, babe. Um, yeah, I mean, Carson Kelly is a very similar conversation to that of the Max Stassi conversation that Arm and I had yesterday where, hey, all, all of a sudden they look like a good catcher. Max Stassi was fucking extended. And I'd here they are. Like, hey, they're good backups. I'd rather have Stassi, but agreed. Yeah, no, we're I'd on the same have Carson Kelly than Stassi. I'm not Kelly sure. Kelly kind of blows. <laughs> this <laughs> is actually, Acuna is obviously like a very easy sell of the regression. I think this is as easy of a sell for me. Cattell Marte was a 1.4 F4 guy in 140 Wait, games. Wait, one sec. Before we move on to Cattell Marte, I also have to reiterate, I should not be trusted with Carson Kelly analysis now that I think about it. Why? Because who was on the ground floor? Who was on the forefront of putting Carson Kelly higher in our top 10s when we made those? It you. was me. It, it was, was me. It was me. And it now I'm saying he blows. Might be very good next year. Idiot, Just want everyone idiot. to know, I should not be trusted with Carson Kelly analysis. Number one short or number one catcher. Go hell, he might be a shortstop. Number one catcher <laughs> going to twenty twenty four. Carson freaking Kelly. Um, Cattell Marte. This is a very easy sell of the regression for me. I think Cattell Marte is awesome, and I think that he's going to get back to being awesome on an exciting team. Yeah, guys banged up every year. Uh, when he's healthy, he's a freaking nature. I mean. Talk about, max kind of exit velocity. Just... Talk about max exit velocity, hit it 115 miles an hour last year. Yeah. Does that every year. Dude hits the piss out of the ball. Great speed. It's funny. He only writes 41st percentile in sprint speed, but I think it's because he was banged up. Like he he's not faster. that player. Yeah. He feels faster. He's almost kind of like, yeah, he also feels way faster. <laughs> he's another guy similar to Acuna, similar to Peralta, similar to who else have we said that's just. That was related, not worry. Muncie, India, yeah. guys like that. O'Neal. Um, O'Neal is going to be totally fine. Love uh, love me some Cato Marte. How out are you on Alec Thomas after his 71 WRC plus in 113 games? I don't think he's going to hit, really, in his career. I think... Ah, I can't say that. I know you can't say that. And maybe I'm, you know, I'm making decisions on a guy who's 22. Yeah. 
which is just a recipe for failure, making a bold decision on a 22-year-old. But he just doesn't have the pop that Carroll does. He's a wizard in center, even though he cost me a, a bet last year when he fucking dropped or let a ground ball hit off his chest and went to the center field and Mookie got a triple out of it, ruined my under. But, you know, I'll let it slide on that I'm one. Sorry. But just, yeah. yeah, it's fine. Just offensively, what do you like so much about him offensively where you're saying, I think there's a lot more in the bat? Like how much more in the bat do you see because what I see is a glove first center fielder who's going to steal some bags and he's got the pop in him, right? 75th percentile on Meg's exit velocity, but most of his contact is soft and the numbers don't like him. Like he's not probably a 619 OPS guy. I don't think he's a 700 OPS guy. So I think he is a 700 OPS guy. Um, Do you think he's because the average in Major League Baseball last year was 707. Do you think he's an average hitter in Major League Baseball? I would say that he's not. I would say he's a below below average hitter. I do. I think he's an average hitter in in Major League Baseball. And he didn't walk. He walked at every level in the minor leagues. Like he was 10 to 11% walk rate at every level in the minor leagues. And then all of a sudden he gets to Major League Baseball and he's a 5% walk guy. Like where the hell did that come from? He's not going to strike out more than 20% of the time. I thought 18% was on the high side this past year. Isolated power was nothing. He he like has so much better slug than what he showed. 34 games in AAA in 2021. He had a 658 slug. I mean, hell, dude, 27 games in AAA in 2022, he had a 539 slug. And at the major league level, he had a 344 slug. Like, I, it's not the Torkelson discrepancy where the guy slugged 310 and it's like, what the fuck is going on? But Alec Thomas has a lot more power than what he's shown. And he's got a lot more discipline than what he's shown. And I think when he does tap into that power at the big league level, when he does tap into that discipline at the big league level, that directly coincides with on-base percentage and slugging percentage. And when you add those two numbers together, you get... OPS. There we go. Here's my thing. And... Maybe I can convince you. Maybe I can't. You, you Do you won't. like his swing? Do you like that leg lift? A lot of I moving do. parts. I do, because he's he's a freaky athlete. And I've seen this kid since he was 14 years old. He's a freak. But Cody Bellinger is a freaky athlete, too. And sometimes there's... I just feel like Thomas, Thomas has to be on tired. time. But he's got to be on time. And I just don't know if he's going to be on time. Second half, 500 OPS. Saw more breaking balls. Couldn't hit breaking balls. Like, I just feel like there's a recipe here throw off his timing and he's not going to hit. I mean, maybe he'll be fine. Maybe he'll get better. Maybe he'll learn because like you said, he is a very good athlete and obviously he's a smart baseball player, but I just, there's too many moving parts, the bad second half, the inability really to hit breaking balls, the inability to impact the baseball consistency consistently. But at the same time, I'm judging a 22 year old. I'm judging a 22 year old. So I'm not going to put, so much on him i just think there are more warning signs than there are pieces that i'm confident in when i look at an alec thomas because he was a guy right we look at the list we're excited to dive into a guy he fell on the exciting side and he was the guy i came away from being like i don't like it i I, not even okay 
I just don't like it. I don't love his swing. And there was a lot of other warning signs there. I just, I'm not, I, I'm not jumping on that bandwagon. I'm going to disagree with you and I'm going to throw a temper tantrum like Caillou. Like, I just, I just don't think so. Uh, All right. Yes or no question. I want one word answer and then we'll wrap this pot up. Herman Marquez, does he suck more or less in 2023? Sucks less, but is still one of the lesser pitchers in baseball. Probably a four or five year guy. His fastball gets annihilated. He started throwing his sinker more. That was one of the worst pitches in baseball when he started throwing it. He has one breaking ball. Like he's he's Josiah Gray, but older now. And what are the Rockies going to help him develop? Yeah. So four that or five. That was six. a lot. That was a lot more than, than one word. I will say sucks less for Herman Marquez. Uh, for the YouTube crowd, you're going to get something really exciting at the end of Peter going through all like the plugging the pods and everything. I've got a water bottle that's filled to the perfect like amount. So I'm going to do the bottle flip at the end when all right. after he says thank you, everybody. But you go. So what I need you to do, click that subscribe button, hit the like button, comment about some of the guys that we spoke about did we miss anything are we judging guys too much are we not judging guys enough let us know in the youtube comments if you're on spotify or apple podcast hit us with a five-star review we're trying to push out as many episodes as possible and then during the regular season we are back to five episodes a week world baseball classic content the number one question i ask will you have world baseball classic picks are you kidding me do you even know me do you even know me people I love you all. Of course, I'm going to have World Baseball Classic picks. Are you kidding? We're going to have full betting previews. We're going to have full just regular previews. We're going to cover everything. We're going to be down there in Florida for the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and the finals. We're going to be all over it. I can't wait to break it down. Fantasy baseball content, college baseball content, the whole nine here on the Just Baseball Show. Stay with us for the rest of the offseason. We appreciate all of your guys' support. The best way to support this podcast, get yourself some Just Baseball merch. It is in the episode description. The link is in there. Tees, hats, sweatshirts, everything. And if you don't want to spend a dime, no worries. Give us a five-star review. Show us love on YouTube. The best way to support is just to interact with our content as we continue to bring you more. And with that, thank you, everybody. Ah! Missed it. Sad.